Hello, everybody. Uh, it's Dave again. Just popping in to follow up on this this another this additional podcast that is a little older. And joining me today, uh, Greg Smith. Hey, everybody. How's it going, Greg? It's going really well, Dave. I'm I'm really excited to be here with you, man. Are you? Yeah, I really am. I was I was when you when we discussed like, hey, maybe we should do a thing, and I was like, hey, we should do a thing. And and usually the thing involves microphones yeah. and recording. Yep. And when we're un- left unsupervised, it can get, uh, we can lose ourselves a little bit. It's easy to get lost on that rabbit hole, but. I'm kind of counting on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for those of you that don't know, uh, so we, we have another podcast we're talking about here. Um, this one in particular is with Bobby and Jordan. Um, this is actually an introduction to our new, well, at this point, when this podcast was recorded in October, was one of our newest members, if not the newest member, um, and our, our new sax player. Jordan Frederick. Jor- Jordan Frederick. He's a southerner. Yes. <laughs> Nashville born and raised. Yeah. It's, it's funny because, David, you and I were just talking before we hit record, um, listening to the conversation that Jordan had with Bobby. It's... It's interesting how pronounced his accent is. I I had never yeah. noticed it just having a conversation with him before. Um, but he gets uh, he lays it on thick. You know, it's it's gonna be funny because since we are a Nashville based band and we there are four Yankees in this band, <laughs> um, our friends in Ohio are gonna be like, "Yeah, man, I can totally hear that accent." <laughs> and everyone down here is gonna be like, "There's just four dudes with accents." <laughs> uh yeah, that's going to be an interesting dichotomy, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, it, and it's I think it's fitting, too. It's about time that we got some Nashville talent in the band. Yeah. So with Jordan, we also have Ben Shaw on playing bass for us now. For, right. I don't, I can't, I'm, not, I'm not good with numbers. I haven't been counting, but I bet it's been six months. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> you heard it here. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go a little farther than that. This so this podcast was recorded in October, the one we're about to listen to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that already puts it at seven, was it really? seven months. I thought it was a February. At least, podcast. right? Um, so seven months, and then mm-hmm. however much before that when Ben joined. Mm-hmm. So it's been it's been a hot minute. Yeah, man. Time Someone flies. say a New York minute. <laughs> I would not. I we wouldn't, wouldn't say that. We're in Tennessee. Yes. Yeah. Maybe like a like a White House minute. <laughs> you know, White House minute. Well, that was a, that was pretty good. Man. <laughs> okay, so like I said, uh, this particular podcast is from October, so it's still a little dated. Uh, it is kind of cool though because uh, they do have some cool conversation in there. Um, one of uh, an interesting question I heard uh, Bob asked what genre he, you know, Jordan thinks we are. Uh, that's interesting because I'm not necessarily sure we've had a conversation about that. You and me, yeah, in particular, yeah. Even like no, us as a band, right. even like Bobby and us or yeah. either one of us. I remember there were, we've definitely talked about it. And I think in our younger years, it was something that we, we might have even lost sleep over um, arguing about what genre we thought that we were, what we thought that we fit into. And I, th- yeah. I think that it's, we've just, I don't know if it's us finally deciding to mature. Probably not. But maybe we just got sick of the conversation. That might have been it. Um, I feel like I, we're it was just our... not worried about it anymore. You know, yeah. we are. I think we've conf- we're confident in the found that we've sound and that we've been nurturing for the past four years. And the sound we found. The sound. Oh, 
we found the way sound. Sound we found. Man, that was that was fun. No, I think you're right. I think uh, I guess I just I remember a lot of disqualification. Mm-hmm. Like we're definitely not that. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, like hey, are we pop? Well, no, we're not pop. But I guess not, it's um, almost a. It's what came first. You know, we're, yeah. I don't think that we yeah. have a label on the bullseye in terms of a word or a genre. We do have a bullseye and we have a sound that we aim for yeah. and that we work within. But I don't think that we're anytime we sit down to write a song. I've never heard anyone say, "Ooh, this isn't Americana enough or this doesn't rock hard enough. It's always about the song Ooh, the song needs this. Yeah. This is the song needs to lead up to here and this needs to be more effective. And a genre will follow, and I think that that's yeah. And it's probably not even our job yeah. uh, to to come up with that classification. That's true. We probably probably shouldn't think about it too much. I guess uh, to your point, we're we're kind of the genre we feel like that day, mm-hmm. and is, that the song needs. Yeah. And I think that in a lot of ways, we we fit into a lot of different things at a lot of different moments. Yeah. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, we're a, we're a rock band, we're a rock and roll band, but I think that. Americana also describes a lot of what we do. Um, yeah. But, yeah. See, I like I like to think of it like a, we are a lot of different genres, most of which were American-born. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily guaranteed because there's always some argument about where everything came from, but yeah. I feel like there's we have a lot of blues and Americana. Uh, and Americana, I guess, is, a, is yeah. a weird word to say because I guess that's more or less like folk and gospel and everything kind of put together. And, mm-hmm. um, we're, the sum, we're the sum of our influences. Yeah. And they're, when you have six people in a band yeah, um, that have such diverse uh, inspiration, when that all kind of, when on that, when that all gets added together, you're, yeah, diff- different things are going to pop and you're going to hear yeah. different influences at different moments. And sometimes it'll be really strong and sometimes it'll be more subtle. Right. It's been a good conversation, man. See, see, this is why we need to be here. This is this is us justifying it. We're justifying it. Justified. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the post. We're justifying it here today. <laughs> uh, so yeah, man, it's been a busy, it's been a busy few months. It has been, and it's I, I every once in a while I sit down and I'm talking with Bobby or you or or Tim, and I feel guilty almost because we're doing a lot behind the scenes you know we haven't played a show in a minute and it's easy every once in a while to get down about that oh man we haven't played a show it almost feels like we haven't done anything but that's ridiculous not true it's not not at all it's just not true uh yeah you're absolutely right man uh we've been in the studio since early january and it's (laughs) it's We've been in we've been in the studio pretty consistently for for almost six months. Not and not maybe yeah. not six months straight, but I bet we were recording from early January through mid March yep. at least, and then we went back into the studio again to track a few more songs in April. Yeah, um, and we're gonna continue working through the summer, working on overdub sessions and doing vocals and solo work and. Um, Yes, we, so we, we are just gonna we're, we're just gonna stay busy, I guess, at yeah. this point. Um, Which is a bummer for you know the listeners, the podcast, and the people who come to hang out with us at shows, I suppose. But um, we do, I think, I think we have a little bit of a sound clip, maybe that we can play leading into the conversation that Bobby and Jordan have. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, they they talk about a new song. Um, at the time, I think we were just doing the demos because we didn't know when we were going to be recording it. Mm-hmm. 
And then things just kind of fell into place. So I guess people would want to know, other than the studio, why or haven't we been playing shows? And I guess the answer to that question would be, uh, we have a member that is some miles away, enjoying some some nice sunny weather. Yeah, Ben, and we've announced this at the last show that we played, uh, which was Soulshine, I think. R.I.P. Oh, man, R.I.P. Soulshine. Mm, that was a bummer. That is but a bummer. Maybe that's another episode. But yeah, but Ben made it into the Blue Devils, which is a huge, huge deal. Yeah. No, I mean, I always say it, and I mean, I, I've always been bass-oriented to begin with. Uh, having been on stage, uh, it, it, it really establishes a foundation you didn't know we didn't have yes. before he got there. I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, sometimes you can just you just let him roll. And he'll just do exactly what you thought he would do. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And you're like, well, then I, I don't have to do anything. Yes. I thought I was going to have to do because Ben got it, man. Or he goes off on some crazy lick and yeah. I, this this <laughs> ball uh, builds up in my chest. And I'm like, is he going to make it back in time for the yeah. cadence? And He always does. And he always does. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, great, great. When he ears. doesn't, when he doesn't, it doesn't happen often. Uh-huh. But when he doesn't, I just, I'm, I'm a little happy. You know, <laughs> he's human too. He's human too. Like, have you ever seen that chart? And like, 25 percent of it is just worrying about child prodigies. Yeah. Like, of, of, of your practice, you know, of your practice schedule. How much time devoted to each? And 25 yeah. percent. He is truly talented, and yeah. the he and Jordan both learned the charts so fast. I they think did. we emailed them out um, when we sat down to think all right well let's get um let's get another bass player in here let's jam with them and hey let's try playing with horns let's hit jordan up we emailed them the charts and said hey do you want to come over this thursday and everything was so tight from that first rehearsal and i, I yeah. don't know that we rehearsed with them the same day but they they're um i yeah i I've, i'm truly privileged to be able to share the stage with them because of the level of musicianship and based on the relationship that you and me and Tim have had in the years and years that we've known each other, that makes you better. Yeah. Having someone that uh, pushes, not even intentionally pushes you, but, right. oh man. They're I've, so they're so eager themselves. Get on my level, it's man. Infectious. That's what he's saying as he plays. Yeah, um, man. He totally it, is. He's cocky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he owns it. He does. And he's, I mean... It's always a little infuriating, but you're always like, thank God they're on my side. When uh-huh. like, like someone's like, they're cocky, but they're, they have what it takes to back it up. And you're like, you're like, oh man. And they both got, but we've got, they're in our band. Yeah. <laughs> so like, uh, they, whatever. And their characters match too, because we're ridiculous. Yeah. And especially, um, well, maybe not especially on stage, but on stage we're ridiculous. Yeah. And I love, um, I love just looking over at Bobby and Bobby's got that face that he has yep. as he plays drums. Jordan has a face and Ben has a face. Ben has a face. I, I might they have all a got face. Faces. I don't know. They all got faces. Yeah, that doesn't sound as cool of a revelation as I had thought before I said that out loud. But it's yeah, a different kind of podcast. it's just great because they fit on so many levels with, they do. with us. And they that's, do. I mean, we've played, um, we've played with a lot of people around town and that's yeah. not a given. That, that is true. Um, it's so weird. Uh, we, I mean, we spent a lot of time looking for a lot of different people to, to join the band. We, I mean, we discussed having horns a long time ago. Um, obviously, we had to replace, we had to get a new drummer kind of on the spot at some point. And um, we had to get a new bass player and the bass player process wasn't super easy. Uh, getting Bobby into the band was 
great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I guess what I love about it is uh, I've been in bands before where like there are members that are in and out. Yeah. Um, which just I mean just it just happens, especially when you're young. Mm-hmm. Like people like they're going to school or they have family stuff or they get real jobs and yeah. Um, it happens to everybody eventually. It's just finding people that are on your level. But it's so cool when. I mean, I guess this is kind of one of the first times I've ever really experienced it, but it's so cool when you have new people come in and they're playing songs that maybe you wrote without them, but they take such agency in it. Yeah. The uh, ownership they of it. Really, so yeah. Like, like they, they really take the time to learn the chart and sometimes they change stuff. Sometimes they don't. Um, but at least when you're watching them play and you're, when you're watching them think it through, you realize like the reason they made the change or didn't make the change is because they felt like this was appropriate. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And they believe the song. Right. They're in character as yep. they as they play that part and exactly. make it their own at the same time. Yeah. Jordan, that's one of the that's things that the, the track that we're going to play leading into this conversation that Jordan has with Bobby, uh, Jordan has a solo in it. Yeah. And it was written. He has a solo in it. I think that's, I think Tim and I wrote that back in 2014, 2015. It was a while ago, but, and so way, way before Jordan was in the band and he, uh, I think his voice in that song on the sax, um, supersedes the Tim, Tim's voice and my voice at times. I think that the, the melody that he creates is, so it's it's really impressive, but it's just beautiful. Um, and I and I think that it portrays a part of that song that was missing before, and we didn't know that it was missing right. until Jordan showed up and played it one time. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. Um, I told I told Jordan one time my my mom was always a huge fan of uh, <laughs> of rock music that had pianos in it. Mm-hmm. So when she found out that like you were in the band playing piano or like Tim was playing piano, so I was like, oh man, yes, you guys can play Layla now. Um, <laughs> but I remember also specifically like saxophones were always a big thing. Yeah. I played in band. I you I think you also played in did you play played, high school band. Yeah, I played tenor sax for a sax guy. Yeah, uh, I can't do math, and I'm not gonna try. But yeah, I mean, I picked sax. I picked yeah. alto sax up in fifth grade, and I didn't stop until I was done with college. Right. So I I started playing clarinet. Yeah. Which ironically, so did so did Jordan. Mm-hmm. I'll let him tell that story. But I started playing clarinet. My mom was adamant that I learned how to play the saxophone. Hmm. Into the tuba I went. <laughs> just, <laughs> different job. Just yeah, just different different job completely. Still couldn't play Layla. <laughs> I don't think I don't think she like really like you know it ever got over that. Yeah. It didn't excite her. She really wanted the piano or the saxophone. Really let her down. <laughs> uh like we said, we haven't really been playing a lot of shows because we have been in the studio for so mm-hmm. long. It is really nice, like we said before, that we are going to get a, a chance to hear some of that, which is going to be coming up here in a minute. Um, but first and foremost, I guess now is a great time to let everybody know we do finally have a show coming up. Yay! 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 Yay. <laughs> um, and I'm really excited about it also because this is going to be our first acoustic gig in a while. Yeah. Um and it looks like everyone except Ben who is off playing a different kind of rock and roll these days. Yeah. <laughs> you know how these kids are. His feet are moving a little more than usual. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Again marching. Ugh. I don't miss it. <laughs> I miss it. I lie. I I just I wasn't good enough. <laughs> um no, but yeah, we're playing a show in Hendersonville. Mm-hmm. It's going to be on July 13th. I'm getting a nod of approval. Yes. July 13th, indeed. 
Uh, from our producer. From a producer. Off in the wings. Um, <laughs> July 13th, we're going to be playing in Hendersonville. Uh, I believe the time frame we're looking at is 7 to 9. Yeah. But I think the doors open at 6. P.M. P.M. Well, okay. I'll have to change my schedule then. <laughs> I was really hoping for the AM, the AM show. Hey guys, come out and see come us on. play at six AM. <laughs> six AM. That's what isn't that isn't that Nikki Six's band from I'd... from Motley Crue? Six AM. In in hindsight, it really should be six PM. Yeah. Because what's going on at six AM? Waffle House is going on at six AM. Yeah, no sleep. No sleep. Wow. Okay. Anyway, uh, July thirteenth. In Hendersonville, at a place called Someone's in the Kitchen, it's a quaint little brunch place that I've just happened upon recently because of a person in my life. And they serve breakfast in. Right, not not when we're gonna be there, because that's gonna be PM. The PM. But the establishment it serves breakfast, which makes it a respectable place in American society. That is a valid point. I mean. There aren't a lot of places that I'm like, yeah, let's go to every day of the week unless they have a breakfast menu. Right. You just can't go wrong. Taco Bell started serving breakfast. They turned around for me. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> when I found out that Chick-fil-A had the breakfast menu was when things really... Was it? It dude, was a formative experience a for, for you? Oh, man. Changed my life. Mm, yep. Mm. Uh, one of the reasons I'm really, really looking forward to this performance, and I know we've said this in podcast episodes in the past, is that arranging things for the acoustic environment yields such create it's a creative place that we don't get to go yeah. very frequently and when we do we discover elements of the song well re- we rediscover elements of the song that really give it character and make it unique yeah. and be- being able to experience that almost like the f- the the first time is really rewarding and uh even this experience is going to be different because in past years when we've played acoustic shows it's been you, me, and Tim. It's true. It's been two guitars, a, yep. a piano, and three singers. And we're able to flesh this out more because we have, like, Bobby's available for this. And right. So we're going to get him on, on um, different auxiliary percussion. Yep. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure Jordan's available. And yeah, man. Maybe we can talk him to getting his soprano sax out or soprano flutes. sax or some uh, flutes. It'd be great. Oh, man. Some clarinet. Honestly, if mm. we could put some clarinet in there, I'd be okay. We probably shouldn't spoil too much of the episode for our listeners. Though. They're probably already wondering, what are Dave and Greg even doing here? But um, I I, I don't go see movie trailers. This is going to seem very off-topic and tangential. <laughs> this, this but really I is. don't watch movie trailers because I feel like these days they give away too much of the movie. We were just and talking about this. Yes, we were, over dinner. Yep. And it was a great dinner, by the way. Another rabbit hole. Um <laughs> But yeah, I, I don't want to spoil too much for our listeners because Jordan is such an intellectual person and he's so articulate. Uh, and in, in hearing him talk about his influences and his experiences in a large group musical environment um, are just very different than my experiences. And it's it was really enlightening. And I think that our listeners are going to get a kick out of that. The audio at the very beginning is a little a quiet. Little yeah. It's a little quiet, but yeah. it gets fixed very quickly. Yeah. Um, so having, having said all of that, why don't we, I think this is what we're, this is the new recording, right? Yeah. Let's let him hear.
Your love was a warm embrace that kept me moving forward. Since you left, I've been forced to find a love you've hid in every corner. What's up, everyone? My name is Bobby. Welcome back to another episode of the Paper Street Post presented by Paper Street Music Company. It has been a while. I apologize for uh, the delay in getting another episode out, but we have uh, certainly not stopped making music uh, and have had uh, some some pretty big changes within the band. Um, Sitting with me here in Paper Street Music Company headquarters is one of our big changes, uh, new saxophonist the sixth member of paper street music company jordan fed frederick did i get that right yeah jordan frederick yeah jordan fred fred tune uh here on the paper street post jordan what's up how's it going bobby it's going well uh i'm i'm really sweaty me too but um other than that i'm doing well thank you for asking i appreciate that yeah absolutely it's really good to be here and i've i've had a ton of fun uh, being in the band over these past, what, two months or so, and working with you guys to get things rolling. It's really been a good time. Yeah, man. Uh, two shows in with you. Yeah. Uh, it's been a blast. So uh, definitely excited that, that you're playing, that that you're here uh, talking with me, and we're going to learn a little bit more about you on, on this episode. But first off, um, the, the, the intro music you may have noticed, uh, for those that are listening, is a new song. Uh, we, we have played it a couple of times at our most recent gigs, but that is Little Notes. Um, Jordan, that's a song that you picked of all the songs that you've learned over the past two months in our repertoire. Why did you pick that one? Well, I just think it's a, it's got a really unique sound, sort of as the band does. And as I came in and kind of listened to you guys' music and the originals that you've written, this one really kind of stands out as, it almost seems like the EP you guys wrote is very different stylistically from this little notes and it sort of seems like as the new members of the band have joined kind of the the sound is sort of being redefined and little notes kind of stands out to me as one of those ones that sort of the balance is shifting a little bit and of course there's um a sax solo in it so how can i not uh, love that but uh yeah it's just a great tune really well written and uh greg and tim singing on it i think the verses are are really awesome and well crafted so just a good tune where where do you think that's pushing us like what area of music is that pushing us towards i don't know and it's interesting it's almost that tune with the intro it's almost a little more poppy melodic i'd say i would definitely not say we're like moving in the pop direction because i think we're definitely still sort of a a rock americana ish um as far as the genre goes but i don't know that that one to me is maybe a little more mainstream i don't know if that's the right word probably has bad implications but i don't th- i i don't think uh that's pop is a bad word yeah i think some people would would freak out if they said that we we're playing a pop song right but, um <laughs> pop means that the masses like it and yeah. what are we doing if no yeah if and that one to me that that one's really accessible and immediately when i you know when i listen to to paper streets music that one always just catches my ear um, and I just love listening to that tune. So Sweet. 
I think yeah. hopefully that's the that's the way things head. Yeah, I uh, I also really like that song. I was really impressed with Tim and and Greg writing that one. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gl- I'm glad you picked that one, and you you do have a killer saxo in it. So <laughs> appreciate I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate. It's a fun tune. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, two months in uh, playing with us, and, and you did play with us uh, in a gig back in April. Oh so, yeah, that's right. It was a, a while ago. So we've known each other for about six months now. Yeah, uh, been familiar. Like what? What do you think? You know, we're, we're talking about genres. What what do you think Paper Street Music Company genre is? Man, and that's that's really I think talking with Dave and Greg and trying to not necessarily pin it down, but just kind of have conversation about what the band's sound is, um, as defined by kind of the songs we write and you know all the licks and there, there's so much that goes into what what a musical style is that it's. I don't know. There, there was such a wide variety of songs that we write that it's it's hard to pin that down. Um, you know, Americana is one term that's thrown out. Just playing rock and roll is another term that's you know obviously not like the the heavy rock or anything like that. But I would probably say maybe a mix of those two would be how you could define it. I mean, I think that with the addition of a horn, it kind of really adds a whole new dynamic to the to the group not necessarily in a good or bad way but just in a very distinct yeah. way you know whenever you see a horn player walk up on stage with you know like a traditional kind of rock setup you know guitar bass piano drums it's really almost something entirely different so i think that's a cool thing for sure yeah i mean saxophone is definitely not classic member of of your typical rock band is this the first rock band that that you've been a member of i mean just diving into your history a little bit yeah i would say tr- like kind of a t- more of traditional rock yeah i do i do play in sort of a uh, a cover band that does a lot of horn sure. band tunes but that's not really traditional rock per se you know it's more r&b or you know funk based stuff that yeah. where the, t- the horns are traditional but yeah this is the first group i've really played in that's um that's sort of a traditional rock setup with the horn how do you so like it it's amazing um it's really nice to not be stuck inside of a section you know, because I do a lot of jazz work and then a lot of kind of cover band work. So there are always multiple horns, you know, multiple saxophones, trumpet, trombone. So to kind of be standing out and be able to be flexible and, you know, kind of interactive and organic with the stuff that I play with you guys is a lot more fun than sort of being chained into having to really listen to other horn players and balance and blend. I just kind of get to, to jam out with you guys on all the tunes, and that's that's so freeing. Really, that's a lot of fun. active musician that you teach a lot has this have you been able to build out some new skills that that you can that you're applying into your other gigs or 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, and like you said, I'm a teacher. I teach uh, jazz music in Nashville. And so I have to talk to the kids a lot about kind of music theory and how they approach their own solo playing. And so um, kind of having to memorize all these tunes you guys do, because it was quite a bit that going from the, the show I played with you guys at Springwater, that was sort of the, that was the second show I played with you guys. And then uh, Tim asked if I wanted to, you know, be playing with you guys regularly, which was thrilling for me. So I was like, all right, I need to get these tunes under my belt and memorized and kind of uh, thinking very harmonically in that respect, as opposed to melodically. I feel like horn players think melodically primarily, but in order to memorize all these tunes, especially with kind of the, the licks I have to play and the solos I have to do, I had to think more harmonically, you know, and memorize, all right, there's this chord change then it goes to a minor here. So yeah, thinking that way really, I think helps me become a better teacher and a better player. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about you uh, and, and your history with the saxophone. When did you start playing? started playing way back in fifth grade. Um, I actually grew up in Nashville, so I went to a, a Nashville middle school. And, of course, you know, you go through the whole instrument selection process and the teacher right. kind of fits you for, for whatever works. Um, and I actually started off on the clarinet. So I played the clarinet for two years. Um, we actually weren't allowed to play saxophone right off the bat yeah. because I think they wanted to have a few more clarinets in the band. Uh, but So I played clarinet for two years and I actually really enjoyed it. And then, do you um, still play clarinet? Yeah, I do. I actually do a couple tripling gigs. I did a like a a musical last month where I had to do flute, clarinet, and sax, and that's always a lot of fun because I don't play those obviously as much as I do sax. So you play the flute too? A little bit, yeah. So that I mean, I feel like uh, sax players uh, play flute quite a bit because um, the fingerings are actually almost identical. <laughs> I'm serious, yeah. So yeah. like a, a B flat on flutes, the same fingering as a B flat on sax, and F sharps, same as an F sharp on sax. Wait, no, that's the one that's different. E's, E's the same. You know what I mean? Like the how the mechanics of playing them are very similar, obviously, except for the the uh, tone production. But yeah. right. So then, after two years of clarinet, I jumped into sax in sixth uh, seventh grade, and mm-hmm. was in the school jazz band and the concert band, and then played sax all through high school. Um, and then, of course, went off to college and majored in music. So I was playing um, soprano, alto, tenor, and berry all throughout college. I did jazz combos. I did um, big band at the college. Um, I, did, of course, did like the wind ensemble, which was the sort of the university concert band. So, yeah, it's just music sort of filled up my whole life. When did you know that you wanted to go to school for music? Honestly, I think it was before I even really picked up an instrument because my... Uh, my mom's side of the family, my uncle taught music. He was a, a choir guy. Um, and both of my cousins played cello. So as I was growing up and running around their house, there was always music playing, you know, whether it was over the radio or whether one of them was practicing cello or, you know, whether my uncle was studying scores in the living room or whatever it was, music was just always happening around me. So I think it was just sort of inevitable that I, I would go into that field. And then, of course, it pretty much took up every waking moment throughout high school and just college. I started to, I I obviously went in thinking I was going to be a music major and then realized kind of how much dedication it took. And I was like, this is what I want to do. This is it. Sweet. Yeah. So like, I know concert saxophone, Mm -hmm. you get into a lot of modernist. Oh yeah. Yeah. Classical sax is, it seems like the trend in, especially university playing 
is just to go as modernist as possible. Right. And even almost like aleatoric kind of stuff. Yeah. Which, man, I have never been into that. Yeah. And luckily my college professor was was of the mindset, like he was a very melodic guy. You know what I mean? He was more about playing a sweet melody and making it sound as beautiful as it possibly can than, you know, all the beep, boop, boop, like all that yeah. weird sax stuff. Yeah, Multi-tones and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's just, I mean, there's there. I feel like there's value in that kind of music. And of course, pushing the boundaries of what your instrument can do and of of what music is available is is important. Um, but I've always just been drawn to you know a really a really good melodic line and being able to to make music beautifully um, and um, aesthetically as opposed to technically. I guess I would say. Sure. Of the four saxophones that you mentioned, which is your favorite to play? Mm. I would say I put in the most time on alto, um, just because that's what that's what I focused on a lot in college. But there's just something about the warmth of a tenor, you know, that it doesn't seem, at least as far as my playing goes, I can get the most kind of robust sound and the most variety of sound out of tenor. I can sort of seem to, at least with the setup I've got, I can get sort of like a smoky sound when I want to or like a crystal clear cutting yeah. sound when I want to. Whereas I work so much classically on alto that it seems like, um, my variety on alto is a little, you know, it's a little more limited, I guess I'd say. So probably yeah. tenor. Cool. Probably tenor. Um, over under 10, how many Kenny G jokes are made at your expense in a year? Over, way over 10. Yeah. <laughs> way over 10. Um, I actually, there was a bet in college that um, if it was it was sometime in November and I was getting ready for my uh, one of my recitals, and there was this thing. It was like, oh, how you know how so, sort of the same comment. Oh, how many people? How many times does somebody talk to you about Kenny G? Like in a week, I was like, probably five or six. <laughs> and they were like, all right, let's make a bet. If somebody, if we'll keep count, if there are you know fifty Kenny G jokes made to you before Christmas, um. Do you need to shave your head? Like shave your head, <laughs> but if it's under fifty, you don't have to shave your head. And it ended up being way over fifty. So I went, uh, I went totally shaven into my recital. Wow. Yeah, buzzed head. So that's. Oh. I'm sorry for bringing it up. It's okay. It's just <laughs> it's a tender part of every saxophone player. I feel like that's kind of how you define whether or not a sax player is a good person, other than the fact that they play saxophone. Um, is whether they can stand. Kenny G or not? Yeah, they're like if they can stand, if they can stand Kenny G, or they're like, oh yeah, I've got a couple of his Christmas albums. It's like, all right, well, we don't need to talk ever again. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's that's just a thing, you know. If uh, if you could replace people's the world's knowledge of Kenny G with another saxophone player, who would you pick? Paul Desmond, no doubt. So most people probably know Paul Desmond's sound from Dave Brubeck and like the Take Five album. Yeah. I mean the sweetest most pure sound and he's i mean i give full credit to guys guys like coltrane and charlie parker who can just play technically and all these new you know modal riffs and all this really interesting melodic stuff but it seems to me that and i tell my kids this when i when i'm teaching at least as far as paul desmond's concerned he picked the right notes you know what i mean yeah he wasn't picking a lot of notes he just picked the right ones so whenever i hear him solo it's just it's incredible um, just almost how perfect each each one of his notes is. His sound is just gorgeous. So I would definitely say Paul Desmond. He's probably my favorite sax player of all time. And and somebody that you try to emulate. 
Oh yeah, especially with my alto playing. Not not that I would ever be close to that, but that's the goal. I yeah. feel like on on alto, yeah. Cool. That's really cool to hear. Uh, as a bandmate, hearing that that is somebody that you look up to. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, which I mean, which I guess that's really weird if you consider the style of music we play, and then to think about that sound. <laughs> of course, since I'm playing tenor in the band, um, I, I would say that sounds a little different because obviously you got to accommodate how you sound a little bit to the style yeah. of what's being played. So, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you talked about playing the right notes at the right time and thinking melodically at, at all points, you know, when you're in a group of five other musicians yeah. that are trying to share their space and, and make room for each other. That's a good trait to, to have. And to yeah, for on. sure. I feel like the, <laughs> the value of like listening is is not taught enough especially like throughout my education it was always about sort of how much you can fit in a space and playing with you guys I feel like has really opened my ears up to like I don't need to fill every bit of space with my sound you know what I mean because you know I'll listen for Greg to play keyboard licks and I'm like I don't need to fill that space Greg's got it or you know I don't need to play that there because Dave's got a little he's doing a little solo riff there so it's sort of made me a lot more aware of where I should put things as opposed to what I should put there. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, grew up in Nashville. Yeah. Um, we've made it known within our band that we are, we're guys from Northeast Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess what's it like playing with some transplants and, and what's the, what has, uh, what has changed in Nashville in the music scene as, as you've grown up in it? Oh my goodness. Well, to, to address the, the transplants thing, um, I feel like, and this sort of goes into what's changed in Nashville, is like most musicians, it feels, are transplants. You know, it feels like everybody you meet or play with, a lot of people are shocked that I grew up here. Sure. Like they say, you're from Nashville, and I'd say, yeah. I'm like, oh, like, well, where'd you grow up? <laughs> and then I'd say Nashville, and they're like, oh, you were born here. It's like, <laughs> yeah. So the the transplant is not a, not a weird or uncommon thing. And of course, I've, I've known Tim for the longest because I played in another band with Tim before I met most of you guys. And honestly, it, I wouldn't even know that you guys were from out of town because I feel like Nashville and you might be able to talk about this is I feel like it's a pretty welcoming place, you know, like most people won't, you know, shut you out. Most people are pretty accommodating to, you know, wanting to fold everybody in, especially as far as musicians go, like everybody's pretty willing to, you know, play with each other or help each other out. So, um, playing with you guys has been amazing. Um, it's just like a group of friends I grew up with, you know, in Nashville. It doesn't feel any different. Um, but as far as the music scene, um, sort of with the amount of people that have started flooding into Nashville, yeah. it just seems like the amount of musicians is exploding. Like every restaurant you go into, it seems like your waiter's a musician, and then you walk right. outside and there's a band playing on a rooftop right across from you. And it's, you know, it's it almost makes, seems like everybody's talented, you know. So it's sort of crazy to think about how hard you have to work and who you have to know to kind of make it happen in Nashville. Is there much of a, I mean, I kind of know the answer, but is there much of a jazz scene in Nashville? Unfortunately, no. There used to be, and a couple of those jazz clubs closed down kind of back in the 90s, but there, there's sort of been a, a slight revitalization. The, the Nashville Jazz Workshops, doing a lot of reaching out in the community and 
they just opened Rudy's Jazz Club, you know, right. out there near Cannery Row. So that's starting to catch on and get pretty popular. So I'm really hoping that the the scene starts to explode because I mean that's a really important facet of American music. You know, that's like our that's our thing, right? Jazz right. is like the style that that we can kind of claim as our own. So I think it's a really important thing. And since, of course, I teach it every day. That's all I teach. So I'm sort of a huge jazz advocate. Yeah. But I think, you know, being able to play jazz music and being able to be organic and creative with what you're making, you know, as opposed to sort of cookie cutter playing with classical, not not putting down classical. There's definitely value. There's definitely a huge value to that. But jazz is just such a different world and a different approach to music that if, you know, if you don't have it, in a community or you don't have it available to people, then I feel like it's a loss. You yeah, know? for sure. Have you been to Rudy's? I actually haven't, which yeah. is a shame because yeah. there's so many great guys that go yeah, through there. Yeah, we need to go. Yeah, I had, uh, I had tickets to go see, uh, I think Rashawn Barber. He's playing, um, a great saxophone player. And, uh, but I didn't, I didn't get to make it out. Yeah. It was a shame. It's interesting to me that there's such a void of jazz in the city when we have the Wooten brothers like yeah hanging exactly around. <laughs> yeah it's it's just nonsense yeah. and um i i got the great joy of working with um future man Roy yeah, Wooten. Yeah. he actually came out to the school and worked with the kids really so that was a that was a blast he and jeff coffin dave matthews yeah, yeah. band saxophone player and plays for bela fleck with roy and it's just incredible to see those guys and to think they live here you know right. they do all their work here uh, and then i got to go City Winery is another great spot that jazz is kind of starting to bloom a little bit. I got to see uh, Victor play there, and that's just oh yeah, just such a monster yeah. on his instrument. To think that you know he's just walking around the same streets I am, and right, you know, making it work is just really cool. Yeah, I saw him play at the the Nashville Symphony. Oh he yeah, did, he did a, a concerto for electric bass. Yeah, it was sweet. Well, and it's cool that the Nashville Symphony is is trying to fold that in and, and make you know those sort of instrumentalists that are here available to the public. But yeah. yeah, I'm hoping that, that the scene widens as, you know, as Nashville sort of exploding, there's, there's plenty of room for jazz to, sure. you know, start creeping in. So that's exciting. Yeah. And it used to be a, a spot like yeah, North Nashville. It's weird. That, yeah. It's weird. Yeah. So, um, two shows in, in the last two months you, you've played with us, um, still feeling out each other. Um, though I think they've gone great. I mean, it's been really fun playing oh, yeah, with you. Super high energy. Yeah. Um, and obviously we have uh, another new member, uh, Ben, a bassist who's been phenomenal as well. Yeah. Um, but in terms of our live set, like what, who are you, who are you listening to? What, what are you, what are you listening for on, on stage? How are you, how are you approaching those gigs? I think that's, that's part of what, what makes every gig so fun and so different inorganic is that as you know you're going through the gig you get to i love part of my favorite thing about playing with other people is just the interaction while the music's happening you know to be playing a lick and look over at dave and have him smiling and playing something right back to me or you know to to look over at greg while he's playing something and just you know enjoy every minute of it i think i think it should change you know i don't think i necessarily think about my focus on stage as being like okay I'm going to exclusively listen to Bobby and the drums. And if I don't hear the kick, you know, I need to feel the kick every beat. And then I'll <laughs> put, put my lick right here. And then, you know, I don't think yeah. about it so mechanically as as much as like really. And I talk to my jazz kids about this all the time. It's just conversations. You know what I mean? It's almost like as you're playing, I feel like it's 
it's conversational. You know, I play stuff. Greg puts a little look here. I play stuff. You know, Dave has a little solo in between. You know, before the next verse, it's it's just really supposed to be conversations between us, and then an, an overall conversation with the audience. I think that's at least how I view it. Yeah, definitely. I I don't think I, I tune into one particular person yeah. either, though. Uh, I do tune into your butt a lot. I'm so sorry. <laughs> the Springwater list. The Springwater stage is pretty small, yeah. and Tim he was like. All right, Jordan, you're going to stand right here. I was like, sounds good. And yeah, they just planted a just mic down. so happened to be right in front of you yeah. and your kick drum. Yeah. Um, so that I'm not even sure people knew you were playing that no, gig. No, no. <laughs> I am very sorry. And I tried, to, right. I tried to make it up um, at, the, uh, at the country gig. But uh, I like to shake it, you know? Yeah, so no, that, I'm not. I might, I might mosey on in front of you. But <laughs> I hope at least the view's good. I don't know. That, it kept me in tune, in, in time. The audience can decide. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, it's been great talking to you. Yeah, yeah it's been awesome. Our listeners uh, got to know you a little bit more. Um, no gigs to speak of on the horizon right now, but we certainly are planning some, and we'll have some announcements of that. I think we're slowly ramping up towards getting some new recordings out, so that will be uh, a long-term thing that we'll be talking about. Um, we'll do a little outro here of some more of little notes. Um, but Jordan, thank you for, for joining me on the Paper Street Post. Uh, thanks everyone for listening, and uh, we will talk to you soon. <laughs>